Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Joshua chapter 2, reading for our text the last part of verse 12. Rahab's words to the spies, Give me a true token. The whole verse reads, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 12. Rahab, unless she was, say, 50 years of age, would have only heard by report and not actually heard at the time in her lifetime of what had happened some 40 years before when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt and gone through the Red Sea. God had divided the Red Sea, he'd slain the Egyptians and he'd brought the children of Israel through the wilderness and her and her people had heard what God had done for his people. They also knew that he had promised them the land of Canaan and that he had commanded them to destroy all the inhabitants, to dispossess them and to take their land. She was under the sentence of death and she knew it. And yet God had directed these spies to her house. She'd received them and now she wanted from them that token for good, that evidence that she would be given her life and those of her loved ones and she begged this of them and she gave them, gave her that token, that assurance that it would be well with her. Now Rahab, these things came to pass. That token was a true token that was given her. We look at this more closely later. But we read how that when they did come into the land, she and her house were saved and God honoured that token, miraculously so, because her house was upon the wall and the walls fell flat when they came into the land, but not that part of the wall. A token given by those servants was honoured by their God and her life was given her and she remained amongst the children of Israel in fact as married to Salmon she was in the line to Christ it's a great encouragement for us as Gentiles a Gentile there plucked out of the midst of those that were under the sentence of death uh, those that you might say naturally speaking had no hope no prospect of life and yet given life it is a wonderful encouragement to us to seek life there's many instances in the scriptures like that I often think of the Ninevites because Jonah was sent to them and you think where is there any good news that Jonah had to bring to them 
that in 40 days that the city would be destroyed. The good news was in the 40 days that it was not immediate, there was given a time in which the Lord gave them repentance and Jonah he said that that was his saying in his own house why he fled at first because he knew if God sent a minister then he would send repentance and there is an expectation and as we gather in these gospel days where the Lord has given the word and he's brought his servants that the Lord will bless that word may we each be desirous like Ahab because we ourselves are under the sentence of death we are all born in sin and shapen in iniquity and death is before us all and after death the judgment and we also need that assurance that it shall be well with us we know that before death comes before we are called to stand before God and so I hope we can find in the passage before us this morning some encouragements and some helps and if there are those here that have this petition like Rahab give me a true token that the Lord will either give it this morning or be a means of showing that he has already given you such a token and guide to what is a true token and what is not a true token. So I want to look with the Lord's help firstly at tokens and signs and then secondly true tokens of salvation and based on Rahab's account but consistent with the teaching right throughout scripture. So two main points and firstly the tokens and signs. Right at the very beginning of the word of God we are introduced to the idea of a token and what is a token is not actually the thing but it represents it and especially in scripture it is those tokens that God has chosen and God has given to represent something else you remember when the world was destroyed by the flood after the flood the Lord gave a token he said I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token between me and the earth and that when I bring a cloud upon the earth it shall be a token that the world will not be destroyed by water anymore and God said that he would look upon it and he would remember his covenant now we can look upon it but we're told that God looks upon it and God is remembering his promise now there are local floods but not a flood like Noah's flood to destroy all of the earth and so we are clearly shown here is a token which is the bow and what it is a token of that the world would not be destroyed again by water the most solemn thing isn't it that the so-called pride movement should take that beautiful sign that token the rainbow and use it as setting forth something so vile and so evil 
and also during the pandemic that the NHS also used that rainbow and in one sense even though it is done by wicked men or people not knowing what they are using why they are using it God is setting before men what his token is Satan will always try and twist and abuse if God gives good music then Satan brings his satanic music if God gives the pure word Satan will bring the impure word if God gives a pure love Satan will bring an impure love he will take all of the things of God and he will mar them and twist them and turn them about to be defiled and it doesn't take away that God gave the token of the rainbow and what a solemn thing at the judgment day all have looked on that whether in the sky or in any other place God will say I have set it there that is my token and that is my token of my covenant and you have turned it about you've used it for your own ends and led away from me and not to me how much more shall that be to condemnation so we have that as a the rainbow as a token then we have when the children of Israel came out of Egypt then there was the Passover instituted and the Lord told the children of Israel to slay the Passover lamb to put the blood on the doorposts and on, upon, upon the lintels of the house where, houses where they were and they were to shelter in those houses and to eat the Passover and the Lord said that the blood was to be a token over the houses where ye shall dwell when I see the blood I will pass over you and that again is in the very words that God uses he has chosen the blood as the token of that covenant and that of course follows right through the word of God and we'll see it later with Rahab with the scarlet line the line that runs right through the scriptures is the precious blood of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and so that again we have the token and what it sets forth we have David in the Psalms and he is asking also for a token in Psalm uh, 80, uh, 86 and verse 17 he says show me a token for good that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou Lord has holpen me and comforted me and it is very obvious from that token that it's such a thing that his enemies and those that hate him shall actually see it it's a very obvious thing and it is very obvious that God has helped him and comforted him he won't have to say to his enemies God is on my side they will see it and of course with the children of Israel their enemies they could see it as well King Saul could see that God was on David's side and the more that he saw that God was prospering him and favoured him the more he was frightened this is a, a prayer of David this is David's psalm 
and how often it was that how the Lord dealt with David it was clear not just to him but to his enemies that God was his helper and on his side we think of Psalm 126 where the people of God shall say he hath done great things for us whereof we are glad and where even their enemies the heathen shall say he hath done great things for them and it is seen by God's people it is seen by those round about as well we think of the token in John's epistles the first epistle of John we know that we have passed from death unto life in that we love the brethren a scriptural token a love to the brethren and God says that is a token that you have passed from death unto life God has chosen it an inspired infallible word of God and so our text it implies because it says give me a true token that you could have tokens that are not true tokens something that you take as a token but God has not given it God will not honour it and those are resting in it resting in it to their own shame we do not want false tokens we want something that God has given especially in salvation that he has shown in his word like we have said in John passing from death unto life we know that because we love the brethren those are true tokens they are tokens that are related to what actually we are seeking is not a foolish thing it is not saying well if I am a child of God and if it was raining outside then then make the rain stop well, if the rain stop that does not prove you or me to be a child of God is a completely unrelated thing when Abraham's servant was coming seeking a wife for Isaac and he prayed for a token at the well but what he was asking for he was asking that the woman that came would go the second mile that when he asked her for drink he would give it him but then would go and ask that she would give it for his camels as well he didn't want any woman he wanted one that was virtuous one that would be a good wife one that uh, had her heart to, to go that second mile and he had that answer and you know when he related it to Bethuel and Laban uh, Rebecca's uh, brother and, and, and father and, and they they said the thing proceeded from the Lord they could see by what had actually happened his coming to the well the meeting together his prayer the prayer being fulfilled going brought to his master's brethren they could see that this thing was of the Lord and so it is a, a token is not to be something that is 
unrelated. You might get someone and they will say, I have had a word from the Lord that I am a child of God. But you look at their life and they don't love the people of God. They're troublemakers. They don't read their Bible. They're inconsistent coming into the house of God. And they do not walk in the commandments of the Lord. And you say, well, your, your, your token, your word from the Lord is not bearing any fruit. You don't look like, you don't act like a child of God. And there might be someone else and you say, uh, what's your testimony? And they say, well, I can't speak of any words from the Lord at all. But you look at their life and you look how they love the people of God and love the word of God and how they listen to the word of God preached and you see all over them that they are the people of God. They have the love, the drawing. They have the marks of the Spirit's work in them. And yet for them they might not see that mark upon their back at all. But to have regard to what the word says as the true tokens of a child of God and then you can see more clearly that they truly are and so that is why we need a true token we want something that God will honour that God has already joined in his word with his people as what are the marks and evidences of his grace, of his work in the soul. Remember in the Psalms it says he shall give grace and glory. No good thing shall he withhold from him that walketh uprightly. Those true tokens will be then accompanied by the fruits and the works of grace. Well, I want to look then secondly at true tokens of salvation. I want to bless it or base it upon the account here of Rahab. There are seven really points that abound up with Rahab's account, which we can say are consistent right through the scriptures as accompanying God's work of grace. They, they constitute that true token that will result like Rahab in being saved from death. Now I know all of us, we must die, but when we think of the Apostle Paul where he says, absent from the body, present with the Lord, when we think of Stephen who was being stoned, who as he was being stoned to death, he looked up and he saw the Lord standing at the right hand of God. Not sitting as he ascended up and sat on the right hand, he was standing to receive him. And we are told that he fell on sleep. Death loses its sting. We have that in 1 Corinthians 15. The victory over death through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ perfumed the grave and brought that his people, that death for them, it shall be the way that this corruptible 
puts on incorruption. This mortal puts on immortality instead of in this world that is under the curse we're to be with Christ which is far better. Instead of being where Satan tempts, where there is illness and sorrow and all of the things accompanying this world, he shall wipe all tears away from their eyes. And that way to that is through death. It is a desired haven for the people of God, those that have the faith that triumphs over death and gives joys like those above. And it's having a true token that when that is lively, when that is precious and faith is strong, that death then it loses its great terrors. It is the last enemy that we're able to look beyond that and to look to Christ and desire to be with him. Our Lord says, Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. So what are the tokens here? Well, one of the tokens, the first one, would be that she, Rahab, realised that she was under the sentence of death. You might say, well, all of the country was in fear of this. They were all in knowledge of this. But it wasn't working the same with them all and certainly the spies were not sent to them all. But it is a vital thing that those that are saved know first that they are lost. That those that are, have given a token of life know also first that they are under the sentence of death. You cannot say that the Lord is your saviour if you cannot tell what he has saved you from. It is a vital thing that first of all we know we are sinners. The hymn writer says sinners can say and none but they how precious is the saviour. And our Lord says that it is not the whole but the sick that need the physician is not the righteous but sinners that are called unto repentance. And so the first real mark is that God will convince of sin, he brings under the sentence of death. The Apostle Paul, a Pharisee as he was, he says that when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And that which was unto life I found to be unto death. Now in many ways with Paul's example as a Pharisee we can be like this. When we, when we are brought up under the sound of the truth we, we trust in our own works, we trust in our chapel going. Uh, when our children were small we used to drive to chapel and we'd have two little ones in the back the most self-righteous little ones out, denouncing this person and that person for working on the Sabbath day and for this person doing wrong. And we thought, well, how have we brought these two up? Uh, and they, they were like that. And uh, my dear daughter, and she, she, when she was three, she refused to wear a head covering at all in, in the Lord's house. So one day she was standing on the Lord's day looking over the neighbours 
and you're denouncing him for working on the Lord's day. So, well, what's he doing wrong? Well, he shouldn't be doing that. Why shouldn't he? Well, it's in the word of God. It was also in the word of God that you should wear a head covering, a hat in the house of God, and you're not, so you're just as bad as that neighbour. Oh. And from that time, she's been very, very strong on the union worship where they don't wear a head covering. She insists upon it. And you can be so self-righteous. When the Lord tells the parable of the uh, prodigal son, there's the two sons. There's the one that goes away and then he's brought back. There's one that never went away. And he wondered why he wasn't rejoiced over. Why his father had never bought the best robe for him. The elder son's spirit, a self-righteous spirit, and dear friend, really guard that, is more needed than just chapel going and brought up under the sound of the truth to be a token of life. You question, you ask, have you been brought in as a guilty sinner, a hell-deserving sinner, have you been brought to see that your righteousnesses, your good works are as filthy rags? They will never, ever be as a title to heaven on its own. You may not have gone away and bless God that you haven't. And don't ever think, well, I can go away, I can do what I want because God will bring me back. No, bless the Lord if he has kept you at the means of grace. But look for more than that, more than that. Rahab, she had this token. If you feel that you haven't had that, ask of the Lord. Lord, convince me of my sin. Others speak of it. The minister speaks of it. But I don't feel it. And I don't see it. Ask that the Lord would make you to see it. And make you to feel it. For Rahab had this. And then the second thing was that she was blessed with believing in the true and the living God. We have that in verse 11. Uh, she says at the end of that verse, For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She believed in the true and living God and when those spies came to her, she received them and this is where we would use those tokens that, especially in Rahab's case, are given specifically concerning her. And that is in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 11, where she is told, it is said by faith, in verse 31, by faith the harlot Rahab Perish not with them that believe not when she had received the spies with peace. No, she hadn't have believed. She could have destroyed them straight away. She could have not received them. But this is the inspired word of God. She received the Lord's people in peace because she believed in their God. Now, I, I just want to say here because and it'll come up with some of the other points you might have thought as we read this account well Rahab was lying 
She lied about having the spies. She lied about them going away. Is it right to tell lies? I must say this, it is never right to tell lies. The scriptures, even in this account, it is not endorsing the telling of falsehood and of lying. And yet in this fallen world, there are some times that you can balance two evils. Perhaps in the, the you think in the wartime, where some of you may have read of Corrie Tom Ten Boom and the others that hid Jews from the Nazis. And they had them hid in basements and in various parts of their home. And those Nazis came to the door and they asked, have you any Jews here? Now in that situation, would it be right for her to say, well, yes, we have, they're down in the basement. What good would it have done her to be hiding the Jews, to be keeping them and then actually betray them to the Nazis? And yet when we think about it, there'd be very, very few times in the lives of the people of God that they'd ever be put into a situation like that. And so that's why you might say she was blessed in spite of her lies and actually her actions were demonstrating her true faith. But we shouldn't take license from that. I think another illustration with Jacob. Jacob made out that he was Esau and he told many lies saying that I am thy son, thy son Esau. He deceived his father. He would have got the blessing, that first blessing, even if he hadn't have. God had promised him and he would have had it. He did not have to lie to, to obtain it. But you think of what Jacob reaped when he went to Laban. Laban deceived him in the matter of Rachel and Leah. How keen that trial was to be deceived in that. Laban changed his wages ten times and then his brethren, his sons, deceived him in the account of Joseph made out that he'd been slain, brought the garment with the blood on it and deceived him for 20 years. He felt that he was dead, but he was alive in Egypt. The way of transgressors is hard. If you want to imitate Jacob in his lies, then expect Jacob's lot in what he reaped because of those lies. So, let us not think that this account or Jacob's is endorsing falsehood or telling of lies. It is not. Rahab, of course, was not of Israel. She was not uh, un under the law in that sense as well. But the scriptures are very clear that what she did was through faith. And that is what... Uh, motivated her to receive the spies and to act as she did. The third thing was that she was seeking a true token. That is our text. Give me a true token. Not only did she feel her being under the sentence of death, 
Not only did she believe in the true and living God and receive the messengers of the true and living God, but she wanted from them a true token of life for herself. How does that find us this morning? As you come into the house of God, do you have any petitions before the Lord? Do you have any desires that the Lord would speak to you? You know, she received the token, the token of the, the promise and the scarlet line all through the servants, but the Lord honoured that. If you and I are given true tokens through the ministry, it'll be through the Lord's servants, but as far as they are true to the word of God, they are true tokens. There is joining together the word of God with experience. We preach the experience of the word of God. Not just any experience, Christian experience, experience of the word of God, where the word of God speaks about conviction of sin. We speak of those who are convicted under sin of those who do have a need, that do desire salvation, who seek salvation, who ask it, who want to know that it is well with them before they come to die, that Christ has died for them. He has put away their blood. Their sins are put away. They want to know this and she desired this true token. I hope that there are those here that desire this or can look back maybe many years and had some sweetness driving along actually going back over this and, and thinking you know some 30, 40 years ago and especially when the Lord begins with us there are those things that are done they are very clearly done and how we react to the word of God that is actually given to us. And, and, and those are sweet times, and it may be a token this morning, a renewed token. The Lord's people wanting a fresh token is that the Lord brings to their remembrance what he did for them at the beginning of the way that affected their choices, affected what they did, affected really the rest of their lives. You know, Paul could say, what I am, I am by the grace of God. And I can say, without the grace of God given to me some 40 years ago, my life today would be very, very different. I would not be where I am now. My whole life would have been shaped very, very differently. And so it is a blessed thing to to seek a true token and in the context of Rahab here really looking at many things in her life if there are those of you perhaps looking for one thing to be said or one token the Lord may give it you by shining upon all that he's done and owning it as his work and consistent with the word of God and with what he does with his people. So may we desire a true token, but not be dictators and say, I want this, I want that. 
Rahab, she just says, I want a true token. Not specifying what that token shall be, but as long as it is true, as long as it is from the God of heaven and will be honoured. The fourth thing is that she was justified by her works. And again, this is where we can come to the word of God itself in the book of James where Rahab is actually mentioned. And in chapter 2, and of course James, he is very much emphasising that faith without works is dead. And so he says in verse 25 of chapter 2, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. And he has explained in the earlier part of this chapter that works or faith without works is dead. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works that is accounted free from condemnation, free from guilt, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Scripture was fulfilled which said, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. See then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Now we are told earlier in, in, in Hebrews 11 that Abraham believed that God was able, even if Isaac had been slain, to raise him from the dead because the promise was to Isaac. But Abraham didn't sit at home and say, Lord, I believe that you are able to raise Isaac from the dead. It's not necessary for me to go and offer him up. I don't need to obey. I don't need to go. It will happen anyway. He actually actioned. He did it. He didn't just have an empty faith. And in, in this chapter as well, it, it speaks of those that have a brother or sister that is naked or haven't got food. And those who will just say, well, just go away and you'll, you'll be filled and you'll, you'll be clothed, but you don't give them the food or give them the clothing, then that's just an empty faith. There's, there's not works with it. You're not providing that which they have need of when you have the means of giving it to them. And James is very clear on this. Remember in the letters to the churches in the Revelation, the Lord always is saying, I know thy works. I know thy works. All the time is looking at the fruit, not works to obtain salvation, but the works that are the fruit of salvation, the fruit of love. By thy, thy works ye shall know them, or by their fruits ye shall know them. And so she had this token in that she was justified by her works. The next is that she obeyed the word that was spoken to her. She put the 
line that was in the window. She gathered her family together. She did exactly what was said to her. Is one of the marks of the people of God as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former manner in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The Lord was obedient, obedient unto death, even the death of his cross, and that which he works in his people is obedience to him and to his word. When the Apostle Paul saw this he was, had his eyes opened, the first thing was, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And he is able to testify he was obedient unto that direction, unto that heavenly vision. We are to be guided by the Word of God. The Word of God is to be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We are to obey that and not man. The Lord gave in Deuteronomy a test to his people. He said, if there is a prophet that arises from you and he gives you a sign and it comes to pass and it is a sign to lead you away from the true and living God, you shall not listen to that prophet, you shall not obey him, for the Lord thy God giveth you to prove you whether you will obey my word or no. And so the Lord is contrasting signs or to the word. Never be intimidated by someone who says, I have a word from the Lord or I have a sign and this has happened and this has come to pass when you can prove that what they are doing is contrary to the word of God. God will never lead his people contrary to his word. You should be able to test all what people do by the word of God. You should be able, like the Bereans, when Paul preached, to search the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Not to have, uh, where it speaks of, those that have men in admiration because of advantage. I have a degree in theology and I know the scriptures better than you and I know this and that. No, the simplest child of God with the word of God will know the right way in obeying the word of God and following that. Well, Rahab, she had this mark of obedience. And may we be obedient to the revealed will of God. The next thing is that she sheltered. And I believe those spies, when they saw that scarlet line, they remembered what had happened in Egypt. They remembered what was signified by the scarlet, by the blood. They knew that God had honoured that sign. They gave her that same sign. She tied it in the window. She wouldn't have seen it. She would have just seen the top perhaps. But there it was in the window. And God honoured that. She sheltered beneath it. Now in the gospel way, this is to shelter beneath the precious blood of Christ. That is our only hope, our only shelter. This is why the church of God has it set before them constantly in the Lord's Supper. This do in remembrance of me. This cup is the New Testament 
in my blood shed for you. It is a reminder, it is Christ that died, yea, rather risen again. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And we think of right at the beginning with Cain and with Abel. Cain, he brings of the fruit of the field, something without blood, something of his own handiwork. God is not pleased with that. But Abel, he brings a lamb, and the lamb is slain, the blood is shed. And God is well pleased with that because it is setting forth the sacrifice that he would make his only beloved son, the eternal son of God on Calvary's tree, would shed his blood for Abel's sin, for the sins of all of his people from the beginning of the world to the end. Old Testament saints, they look through the types and the shadows through the sacrifices, they looked to what Christ would accomplish, the seed of the woman to bruise the serpent's head. And in believing they died and they trusted in that. We look back, we have clearer light, we have the Gospels, we can clearly see what was fulfilled at Calvary and the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed and is rising again, giving assurance unto all men. In one sense, that is a token and another token is the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven. I'll pray the Father, he'll give you another comfort, another spirit, tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from high. Those tokens are given to the church of God universally, if you like, but we need that personal token, a personal trust, a personal sheltering beneath the precious blood of Christ. There is no other place to shelter. There is no other hope but that the blood of Christ was shed for us. The Lord says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring. That is Jews and Gentiles, the two folds, one fold. And he testifies, I have a commandment from my Father to lay down my life and take it again. He lays down his life to redeem the people of God. Now Rahab, she trusted in that. And that it must be a vital token for us each. Where is your trust? Where is my trust? Is it in our own works? Is it in our own obedience? Or is it in Christ's precious blood? In Christ's obedience clothe and wash me in his blood, so shall I lift my head with joy amongst the sons of God, as the, as the hymn writer puts it. So then there's a, another token, a last one we might say, and that is that she desired the salvation of her household. And I believe, I was thinking back when the Lord first called me and the many letters and attempts I made to try and convert my own brothers and family. And there is that desire. And the Lord, when he healed, when he blessed those on earth, he said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things he had done for thee. When we know the pearl of great price, when we know the blessings of Christ, there's that desire that others know as well. Those four lepers at Syria they found great treasure. They started to put it in their tent. They said, we do not well. This is a day of good tidings. 
Let us go and tell the king's household. They didn't want to hide it. They wanted to spread that. And so our Lord says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that is baptized shall be saved. He that uh, is, is, is believeth not shall be damned. And though the blessing to be upon the priest's word, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And if we know the danger, you know, if you see someone standing on the edge of the cliff and you, you know that their danger uh, and you know that by, by calling to them you may be able to bring them back, they may not listen, but you would try, wouldn't you, to, to, to stop them from falling over. Uh, and so if the re one test of the reality of the work with us is not to think, well, uh, this faith just belongs to Bethel Chapel Luton. It doesn't matter about anyone else or it doesn't matter about my other loved ones or friends. You still have a burden for, for others because you know the worth of a soul. God's people know the worth of a soul and they know the danger that they were in and that others are in. And there will be that desire like Rahab. I'll bring in my family, I'll bring in my mother, my father, my sister, all of them if I could. We know, of course, we do not have power. But it's a blessed thing that we are placed in families as to be a witness, a salt and light, yes, in the world, but immediately in our families. And many of us will have family gatherings where we are gathering with many unbelievers. May we always remember to adorn the faith that we have and the doctrine that we have in our walk and conduct. You think how Ruth was drawn to Naomi, one of the tokens here, the marks of loving the people of God. Well, may we be a people that so show forth our faith and love to the Lord that there be others that desire our walk and our God and our hope and our token. Paul said of Agrippa who was, he said he'd be almost Christian he said I would that thou was not altogether not be but almost but altogether such as I am but not this chain and it's good if we were able to say we want others to have the blessings that we have but we wouldn't wish on them our afflictions and our trials and our besetting sins but the blessings the Lord has given us we desire for others as well. And Rahab, she had that as well. True token. You might say, were you given some seven or so points? When the Lord works, he works in all of these points. He doesn't just work in one part. He doesn't just make a Christian for today in Bethel Chapel, but when you go to work tomorrow, you, you cast that off. You're not a Christian anymore or when you're at home, you're the same person all the time as one that has been called and washed and cleansed and walking in the ways of the Lord. Well, may the Lord give us and give you a true token as dear Rahab desired. Give me a true token. Amen.